Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. All right, and welcome in to episode 47 of The Grid, the show that will be active on X this season. If you don't know what that is, go open Twitter. Uh, I'm Gabe Myers. With me as usual, Mike Foreman and Jeremiah Sosa. And guys, it's a beautiful day. It's a great day because fall sports football is back in the area. We're able to go to football camps, talk to coaches, see people hitting each other, running plays, all the good stuff out on the field. We've been out of camps all week, so we're going to waste no time getting into it. We're going to do a little training camp whip around here to open the show. And Mike, we'll start with you. You were out in Cuero on Monday for day one, and uh, we got. I'm not going to bury the lead here. We had a kid whose cleat melted on the turf. It, it was hot. I am not going to lie to you. And, uh, I mean, it... Those kids, I'm telling you, I have to give credit to them. They uh, they went through the workout. Uh, of course, a lot of water breaks, but, uh, you know, there's just no way around it. Normally, Quero works out early in the morning, but uh, they had a convocation that morning, so they had to go in the afternoon. Um, it's uh, it, was, it was hot. That's all I can say. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Uh, when I got to the workout, uh, I got there a little late because I was coming from Refurio. And if any of y'all have driven from Refurio to Quero, or actually from Goliad to Quero, you know about the construction. Yep. And you're going to be sitting there, believe me, it's terrible. But anyways, once I got there, I stayed for the whole workout. And I'm not going to lie, I there were periods of time where I had to seek out shade and uh, just kind of sit back and... Uh, get out of that heat but uh, I think what Quero is really uh, the important thing for them early on is uh, they obviously have some key people to replace especially on defense and uh, I think that's what they're looking for is how to fill those gaps Um, offensively they they're going to have to have a uh, running back step up uh, which could be Kenneth Jackson who played last year They've got their quarterback, Mason Nataro, back. That helps a lot because he really knows that offense that uh, Coach Vicach installed last year. But, uh, yeah, the the main thing, uh, takeaway there is, and in fact, I think Coach Vicach said it to me. He said that they have to, you don't really ever get used to that heat, but you have to kind of acclimate yourself to the heat and realize, you know, this is what it's going to be like, and uh, we just have to deal with it. Yeah, I love quarterback competitions, but at Quayle right now, it's it's a running back competition. Nataro solidly solidly set in there. He's he's in there in pen at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, talk about that because at Quero, there's usually not a there's a lot of clarity usually at that position, but this year it's a it's a little bit different. Talk about the running backs a little bit because that's going to be a big you know that's going to be a, a big driver of their success this season or potential success. Right, they have some candidates. Uh, obviously, uh, Jackson played last year. He got some time. He he would uh, spell uh, Tyson Williams, who's now uh, actually going to West Texas A&M. Uh, he was actually there the other day. I saw him. I believe he he probably left today. I believe for Canyon. So um, 
Yeah, it's unusual because when you think of Cuero during the years, obviously you think of the great running backs they've mm-hmm. had there, you know, starting Robert Strait, way back, go back, Arthur Whittington, uh, Lois Blackwell, you know, moving up uh, more recently, you know, with Tyson Williams, other great backs. Trent Jackson was a great back. I mean, just tons and tons of them, but uh, – at the same point, point, you know, there was also a time when Cuero seemed to have quarterbacks back-to-back, and then they went through a period where they, they really didn't have to find a quarterback. So uh, it's just one of those cycles, you know, at a school that happens. Uh, I think uh, Jackson's capable of doing the job, and, uh, and I'm sure they'll be looking at other people too. Yeah, and then we're going to go next. Uh, we're going to go to Calhoun. That's where Jeremiah was this week while I was in the shade, nice and indoors at volleyball. You two were out there while Mike was out in Quero. Jeremiah was out in Calhoun. Calhoun's one of the more interesting teams really in the region just because of how last year, just because of how last season played out with the losing streak and then they get hot late in the year. They make a run in the playoffs. Jeremiah, day one, what'd you see out in Calhoun? Yeah, well, what I saw out there at Calhoun was, uh, you know, this is a team that's ready to, you know, look past last season and, you know, the the slow start that they had. Um, talking to head coach, uh, you know, Richard Whitaker, last season really, uh, I think what it was last season, their kind of slow start was a lot of injuries. Uh, I believe he was telling me that one of their, their best running backs got hurt, uh, in, you know, before the season. And then uh, Jace Campos, who he was a quarterback and a fullback for them, he got hurt too a little bit. Um, so that kind of contributed to their slow start. But, uh, yeah, I think this year um, he was telling me how they're, they're kind of uh, they're kind of trying to adjust to a, a new running game because obviously Calhoun is a, a team that runs the ball pretty much almost every play. Um, and they lost Tony Hensley, who was one of their top, uh, you know, top rushers last season. Um, and they also lost three offens- offensive linemen, I believe. So right now they're just trying to go through that process of, uh, you know, figuring out new guys to to fill those roles, but uh, I think I think he's happy with the guys that he has. Uh, Derek Salinas as r- running back, um, Campos is back for for fullback. Uh, he'll he'll also play some quarterback at the beginning of the year, um, and then they got Alex Parker at uh, quarterback, who's going to be the starter uh, long term. It seems like uh, so it's it's really just uh, you know finding out those guys that are going to be able to contribute. Uh, you know, for for this season, that that that's what was really happening on that first uh, first week of practice. You said they're going to change some things up in the running game. Do you, do you have any idea what those changes are? What it's going to look like on the field? I don't necessarily think it's going to be like uh, you know sch- schematic changes. I think it's more so of just you have to adjust with the guys that you have. Because Tony Hensley, he was a guy who could just st- just stylistically the yeah, personnel. Yeah, Tony Hensley, he was a guy who could you know get the ball and bounce it out and you know take it. 50 yards it seemed like in one of the games that I covered them um and now you know you look at Campos he's a he's a bigger back so you know you could expect them to to you know you know run it up the middle so I think it's just going to be uh you know changing kind of uh you know what works best for your guys so I think that's that's going to be the a little bit of a change that they're going to have yeah we got no shortage of football coverage here we're gonna throw it back over to Mike Mike you're at Refurio Early Monday morning, talk about what you saw from Jason Herring's team and the uh, the number one team in the Dave's Campbell two uh, A poll. Well, uh, Refurio's got a lot of people back from last year's team that went to the state final, and uh, they uh, I think basically for them it's just uh, 
you know, doing repetition, kind of just getting used to what they're doing. They have a kind of an interesting situation where you've got some really good running backs. You have like a fullback like a Jordan King who is a beast. And uh, not only that, is uh, fast where if he gets behind you, you're not going to catch him. So they've got that. And then, of course, you look at their wideouts and, you know, Ernest Campbell, uh, Jason Henry Moore, uh, Isaiah Avery, those are all track guys too, so you got speed. Um, so basically I think they're just trying to find out what works best for them this season. Um, one of the things, you know, I, I think the big thing for them, and like I talked to quarterback Keelan Brown, who, you know, played last year as a sophomore, uh, the big thing for him um, is ball security. You cannot turn the ball over. They turned it over four times against Howley. You can't do that against really good teams, and uh, he's aware of that. He went to a lot of camps this summer. I think, uh, you know, he, he realized the importance of, uh, of not turning the ball over, and as uh, Coach Herring said, you know, we don't need him to make the wow plays that they will come. He just needs to make the plays he needs to make to make needs to make. So uh, I think that's their main thing. They have a uh, they have a two extremely tough non-district games coming up. They uh, they open the season with Hitchcock, uh, which is uh, in both those games. Hitchcock's three A Division one. I believe Hitchcock comes in ranked number seven in the state. They won state seven on seven. And I actually had a chance to watch them up there, and boy, they uh, Hitchcock is just loaded with athletes. And they they handed Refurio its only regular season loss last year, so that'll be a challenge. And then of course they play Edna, which uh, you know Edna's ranked number three in 3A Division One, has a lot of speed, so uh, you know that will be good for Refurio because I don't really know if they'll see teams as good as Edna or uh, Hitchcock until they get deep in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that'll be interesting. But I was, from what I saw, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's Refurio. I mean, the, the, the team there, I mean, you know, that's a football town. And, uh, and they, they're anxious and ready to go. I wanted to ask you about that early preseason. Do you sense that, especially with uh, Hitchcock, because that is a team that beat them last year, is it maybe a little more, you know, not that they weren't going to be serious before, maybe it's a little more serious because, hey, we got a team coming in who beat us last year. We got to go We got to go get that one back. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that's going to be at, at Jack Sportsman Bobcat Stadium. So, I mean, uh, they don't want to be embarrassed on their home field. Uh so uh, they're obviously looking at that game. I mean, um, you know, obviously I, I don't think they they want to say that's going to set our season, you know, because right. you're kind of setting yourself up if you do that. But uh, I, they're aware of what happened last year, and, and uh, they definitely have, have thought about it all summer. Yeah, and then uh... – Jeremiah, you know, turning it over to you. Mike mentioned Edna here a second ago, and you were out at you were out at Edna this week, and that's a team that a lot of big things are expected of them this season. A lot of big expectations for them. Uh, what did you see in Edna day one? Because that's a they're going to be one. Of, they're expected to be one of the better teams in the area, and even in the entire state. 
Yeah, well, what I saw out of Edna is just, uh, you know, it seems like they're they're ready to get back to, to what they did last year, uh, making it to the state semifinal. Um, but, you know, talking to head coach Jimmy Mitchell, you know, about the expectations that people have for them being ranked the number three team, it was, it was one of the funniest things I heard. He said, uh, you know, being ranked number three and a dollar twenty-five will get you a Slurpee at Seven Eleven. So he was just saying, like, it isn't like that doesn't mean anything to his team. So uh, you know, they're they're not really listening to the outside noise. They're just kind of focused on themselves. And I mean, if I was you know Mitchell and the rest of the team, I'd I'd be pleased with uh, you know what I have going on uh, with uh, you know Jaden Clay entering his senior season. Uh, they did lose some some offensive linemen up front, um, but just you know seeing the guys that they got there, they got some you know, big guys to replace them. So I think, uh, you know, they'll be fine in that area. Um, but, yeah, it's just about kind of focusing on their sel- themselves. And I think, uh, you know, he's got to be happy with uh, what he saw that first day. Well, I want to ask you about the defensive line because I know that's a that's an area of strength for them. And, you know, me personally, I love nothing more than a, than a big, intimidating defensive line. Talk about what you saw out of Edna. Yeah, well, I talked to uh, one of their defensive ends, um, and, you know, this guy was like, I mean, I'm not that tall. I'm like five, five nine, five ten. But this guy was like towering over me. So they got those guys, uh, you know, on that defensive line that can, uh, you know, put some pressure on the quarterback. Um, and, and you know, just looking at the, like like Mike mentioned, they they play Refugio. Uh They also play Bay City, and they have a tough, uh, you know, pre district schedule. So I think going up in those games is going to really help them uh, for, for you know the district that they're in with Industrial and those other teams. Yeah, I feel like, you know, in this area, you know, Shiner and Furio are two of the very well-known teams and, you know, that are always really good. I feel like this season, as as good as we kind of expect Edna to be in this panel and around the state, people expect Edna to be really good. They've almost fly, they've flown under the radar a little bit and just say, hey, oh, yeah, and Edna's really good, too. It's kind of been the thing, but that's, a, I mean, you mentioned the size of their offensive and defensive line. Senior quarterback, Jaden Clay, a lot of uh, a lot of things kind of working in Edna's favor over there. I was out at St. Joseph this week, and uh, like Mike, I was looking for shade. Uh, they got a nice little shed over there. They got they got uh, fans and chairs, and I made myself very comfortable out there. But St. Joseph, kind of the, the, you know, from the coaches and even from the players, their quarterback, Aiden Aragon, the message was the same. It's, hey, we're, we're young, but we think we're really talented. We think we're going to have a really, really good year. And, Saint, you know, they, they lost some guys. They lost their running backs. They lost some wide receivers. But they're confident in these young guys' ability to come and step up. Coach said, "Hey, it's our job to mold them. You know, we, you know, we think we're gonna be, we think we're gonna be able to do a good job. We think we're gonna get these guys up to speed very quickly and get them performing. But it's our job to do that between now and the first game. But there is this, and it, you know, it's why you love camp. There's a sense of optimism over there that, hey, we're gonna be able to develop these young guys and you know, make them good players really, really quickly. So that's something to watch for for St. Joseph this season. They actually scrimmage Edna their first scrimmage, and that's something talking to Coach Dupree." He was really excited about because hey, that's a that's probably a better team than we're gonna face all season. Let's throw our young bucks, our our young cats, up against those guys and let them kind of you know learn to fight against them before they head into you know the tap schedule as well. So that's a, from St. Joseph. But we're gonna hear a message here from White Trash Services and get into volleyball that opened up this week as well. We got a lot of sports going on. Really excited here at the Grid. Stay tuned. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and, and, and what do y'all do? 
Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361-550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. Welcome back into episode 47 of The Grid. And this week, we didn't only do football. Jeremiah and I were out. Plenty of volleyball going on as well. Uh, my first stop was out in Yoakum where, guys, the air conditioning in the gym works fantastically. I just wanted Mike to know that. Uh, air conditioning works great in there. Anyway, moving on. Yoakum last season, second in district to Columbus, who was eventual state finalist. Yokum reached the regional final a year ago before ultimately losing to uh, before ultimately losing to Columbus in the regional final. But they came they coming off a really good season. Coach Natho believes that was important just to show this team, hey, this is you know this is what we can do. This is what we're capable of. Kind of instill that belief of we can be a state you know a state tournament caliber team. They do have quite a bit of returners. Macy Blakeney, their senior setter, that's an important position with experience. They got that locked down. They're two outside hitters. Jayana Phillips, who looked awesome on day one. She absolutely stood out. And Destiny Reels, who I got the chance to talk to after after day one. They looked really good. It looks like they have, you know, the foundation of an attack going over there at Yoakum. And it's you know Coach Nato is excited about this group. She thinks they're coming together very quickly. She thinks it's a, uh, you know, it is a little bit of a work in progress, but she likes what she has. She likes the group she has. She thinks they're meshing very well, and she's excited to see them take the court for the first time, which is actually going to happen on Tuesday. They'll play Shiner and Gonzalez in a, you know, kind of a three-way match over there. But Yoakum, after last season, they're excited for the opportunity to build on the regional final appearance from a season ago. Uh, Jeremiah, you were at Victoria East yesterday. They were getting underway for volleyball, first year under a new head coach. Talk about what you saw. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, when you have a new coach in any sport, uh, for that coach it's a little bit uh, nerve-wracking, especially for, you know, Shelby Spradley, who is East's new head, newest head coach, who, you know, she's in her 20s. This is her first head coaching job coming over from Victoria West last year as an assistant. Um, so, you know, she admitted there was a little bit of nerves there, but I think she's taking over a program that, uh, you know, she's she's really proud to be a part of. Uh, when you look at the, what this Victoria East team did last season, um, you know, they, I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. They weren't they weren't one of the better teams in our area. They I think they finished sixth in district, um, and they missed the playoffs. So, taking over a team like that, I think Spradley's really just hoping to kind of build on the culture and build on uh you, you know the the stuff that's already there um, from from the last coach. So uh, yeah, she's she's excited though. They're, they they've got a, I think six returners. Um, they have a few girls who are you know have some pretty good size on them. So you know they could be up front. Uh, 
you know, on the net blocking some shots. So I think she's really excited with uh, with the girls that she's got, and she she was able to get a good look at them, um, you know, this 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 first week of practice, and uh, kind of like uh, like Yoakum, they already play on Tuesday. They're going to be playing Floresville at home, so uh, that's going to be a chance for people to see, you know, the new uh, Victoria East volleyball program. Yeah, I'm always curious with first year head coaches. Um, you know, and uh, Coach Bradley was someone who was an assistant last year. And so whenever you're an assistant, you always have these like, okay, if I was a head coach, I'd do this. Or, oh, I like what this coach does. I'm going to take that, you know, whenever I get that opportunity. Is there anything you see from Coach Bradley? Anything like, you know, new she's trying to implement? or Because every coach tries to set their culture. Did you uh, did you get a sense of what, you know, kind of something, some of those things are going to be? Yeah, well, I didn't see anything yesterday. But I know when I first talked to her for, uh, you know, the story kind of introducing her as the head coach, uh, you know, she she would say, uh, you know, how she learned a lot from uh, West's volleyball coach. Um, Alicia Hill. Yeah, Alicia Hill. So how she she learned a lot under her time uh, under her. So she's definitely going to be able to take some some of those qualities that she learned uh, with uh, with the Lady Titans this season. Yeah, and Alicia Hill has uh, quite the impact on our next on our next person. Uh, so I was at Victoria West yesterday while you were at Victoria East, and a new head coach Garrett Gomez got going up over there for the first time. He was an assistant under Alicia Hill for the last three seasons, and one of the things he talked about was you know getting the Victoria West job. It's hey, I think we're going to be able to keep the continuity here. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from Coach Hill. I know these girls very well, and he thinks they're going to be able to keep the ball rolling. And it's, uh, you know, Coach Gomez is a very positive guy, just generally speaking. And yet he was really pleased yesterday with how it went down. He likes the group he has. He thinks there, you know, unity was the word he kept using. We're already, you know, I think we're already united and talking to a Grace Weiler, who's, you know, going to be a big contributor for them this season. She said, you know, it's uh, she thinks what they have already, like as far as camaraderie, unity, chemistry. She said she's been on teams where it takes a month to get to that point where you're trying to build that over the course of the season, and she thinks they have that already. So she, you know, there's a lot of excitement over at uh, over at Victoria West, over at Victoria West Volleyball because of that. They lost seven seniors, so there's there's a lot of talent walking out the door. It's a lot of younger girls coming in, but that's the one thing Gomez kind of kept harping on was. You know, the way the upperclassmen have welcomed in the underclassmen, let the new players kind of into the into the group already and got them ready to compete alongside one another. It's something that has him excited. Grace Weiler, who I got a chance to talk to yesterday, she is going to be someone that's going to play a big role. Also, junior libero Jasmine Valenzuela. She was first team all area for us a year ago, and she is um, – you know, she's going to be someone, you know, Coach Gomez calls her the heart and soul of the team. Um, and she's, uh, you know, she's going to play a big part in organizing that back row. Uh, Jeremiah, you were at St. Joseph this afternoon. Talk about what you saw over there from the Flyers. Yeah, well, I think unlike uh, Victoria West, uh, this St. Joseph team is one who who has a lot of experience. Uh, they get they get 11 players uh, back from last season. Uh, so they only have two new players. Uh, and you know, last season they made it to the regional final, so you know they have that experience. Uh, in 2020, they were state champions, so they still have three girls from that team that have you know that those four years of ex- three years of experience under their belt. Um, so this year they're they're really looking to you know get over that hump that they haven't been able to do these past few years and get back to the state title. Um, but just talking to Coach uh, you know Swanland, she's uh, she's really excited for the new season. Obviously, they get back Addison Ozuna, who was our uh, all-area MVP last season. Um, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, it seems like every game I watched last season, she just 
she she just took over every single game and they, they had an undefeated district record uh in taps so uh yeah i think it, it's this this saint joseph team is one that's you know gonna be contending for that state title given you know all the new returners they have in you know ozuna and all of the uh experience that they've got over these past few years yeah it sounds like this is a team that expects to be competing there at the end of the year in this in november and even into december potentially yeah, well, when when uh, you know talking to the team last season, the, the preview for last season, they kind of I don't want to say expected to be in the state uh, you know state tournament, but you know the, they had one year where they they failed in the regional final, so that was kind of their their hope to get back. Um, but now after following the regional final these past two years, uh, you know they they really want to get back to that state title. And talking to uh, to uh, you know Corin uh, Corinek, I believe, who's their their setter. Um, you know, she was one of the players who played a, a large role in that 2020 team that won it. Uh, and, you know, in her last season, she just wants to to try to get back there and, uh, you know, in that state title game. Yeah, well, that'll do it for our volleyball uh, whip around from training camp. We're going around all over the place. One of the things I like about volleyball games start next week. Jeremiah and I will be out. Uh, we'll be out covering volleyball next week. We're excited about it. All right, we got one more message from Thriving Financial. Then we're going to talk about a trend we're noticing here in the area when it comes to football talent. Stay tuned. Thriving is a proud sponsor of the Grid. Thriving believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. All right, we are back with episode 47 of The Grid. And there's a there's a trend happening here in uh in the Crossroads area where a lot of our, you know, a lot of our top football talent the last couple of years has been going to A&M. Now, that's not to say everybody, we know Oliver Miles has gone to El Campo, Joseph Dodds to Baylor, there are others as well. But, you know, last year Dalton Brooks, Ruben Owens, they go to Texas A&M. Uh this year Ernest Campbell and most recently Lane Gerke from Hallettsville. They go to Texas A&M. Uh, Mike, you've been around the area for a long time. You know, uh, you know, you know the coaches. You know the athletes. You kind of know how you know, kind of recruiting trail. How this all goes down. Why do you think A&M is having so much success recruiting kids from this area, getting them to College Station? Well, I, I really think it's uh, one is proximity. I think uh, being close to home is was a big deal. For a lot of these kids, of course, if you remember, originally Reuben Owens committed to Louisville, and then um, they had the coaching change there, and then he went ahead and committed to A&M. Uh, Dalton Brooks, he was A&M all the way. Um, Ernest uh, just recently committed to A&M. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, you know, A&M has a lot of alums here. And so you have a lot of support groups here. And uh, a lot of these uh, players grew up uh, watching A&M. So I think that plays a big role in it as well. I mean, uh, you know, obviously we've had some other people like you mentioned. Like, for instance, uh, we've had two people from Bay City for Nebraska. We have, um, you know, we had um, 
I'm trying to think. It was Turner, Bryce Turner went up there last year, and now Carline Jones is committed this year. Of course, I think Matt Rule has a lot to do with it. Right, he's, he's, he's got those roots in here. Yeah, he's put making a big push. In fact, he was at coaching school recently with uh, Susan Elza, who went from the UIL to Nebraska. So you're going to see Nebraska a lot here. Um, of course, UT, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, of course, we still have Jordan Whittington going mm-hmm. to his last season. Jonathan Brooks from Hallettsville is there. But uh, last year, we were Texas really, uh, to my knowledge, really wasn't recruiting very many players from this area. So uh, it goes in cycles. There was a time, I remember, when uh, – there was a Quero-Baylor connection, you know, a bunch of a bunch of players from Quero went to Baylor. So it, these things go in cycles, but one thing you can usually count on is uh, if a, a player wants to stay close to home, he's going to go to a school nearby. Yeah, I'm very curious to see. You mentioned Jonathan Brooks over at the University of Texas, and they, you know, they got all five offensive linemen back. Bijan Robinson goes to the NFL draft and is now playing for the Atlanta Falcons. I'm curious to see Jonathan Brooks. He he has the potential to be a breakout to be a breakout candidate. And um, actually, Matt Millen, who's an NFL draft guy, he. he tweeted out you know about a week ago he said watch out for jonathan brooks as a you know potential early round draftee that no one really knows right now and i'm curious to see if that breakout that some are expecting to happen happens how that affects you know texas's recruiting pull and their you know desire to recruit in this area yeah well jonathan you know got hurt last year and uh, my understanding is he could have played some in that bowl game but the coaches decided, no, it's not worth it. So uh, I, I know he's been rehabbing. I believe he's in good shape. I asked some people when I was at coaching school about him and got pretty much glowing reports about him. So, uh, And, of course, uh, with Jordan, this is his final year, so I know he wants to show out as best he can. Yeah, Jonathan Brooks listed as the number one running back on the Longhorns depth chart right now. So it's I'm always, a, you know, now, I mean, I'm always a huge college football fan. I'm curious to watch all these guys we have from this area. Um, what, uh, you know, kind of how they're going to look this season. I think uh, Ruben Owens is going to play a lot for AM. I know they're very pleased. You know, he graduated early from El Campo and went through spring with the Aggies, and uh, he had a decent spring game. And uh, from what I understand, uh, he's going to see the field. So, uh, you know, it'd be interesting. We could have now that uh, obviously we're going to have to, I guess, wait a year for A and M and Texas to yeah. play again, uh, which is kind of a shame because we could have a lot of area guys in that game. But uh, you know, I I think Ruben's going to have an impact at at A and M. And I tell you, the last you know last decade or so, it's been you know it used to be when you were a freshman, even if you were a five star recruit, you weren't really going to play as a freshman. You had to, you know buy your time, pay your dues, all that. Now it's, hey, you come in, a guy like Ruben Owens who enrolls early can, you know, do what he needs to do in the spring and, you know, get himself on the depth chart and onto the field in the fall. We saw Nick Saban do that, you know, at Alabama very early on. Mm-hmm. We saw, we saw And we've seen it happen more and more recently. And you, you mentioned now Ruben Owens going in there and rolls early, does what he needs to do. And he's someone we could be seeing on national TV here in a matter of a few weeks. Yeah, well, here's the deal now, of course. You know, with these a lot of these players leaving for the NFL early, 
you know, why? what's the point in redshirting them? If someone can play, get them out there because you don't know how long they can stay. And the other issue, of course, is uh, the transfer portal. You know, if a, if, a t- if a player is not playing and he feels like he has the ability, he's not going to stick around. So if you get a player you think can play, you put him on the field. Yeah, I think it's incentivized a lot of these guys like Ruben Owens who, hey, graduate early, get to college station in January, go through spring ball with the team, get to know the coaches, get to know the scheme. So you have every chance of getting out there in the in the fall. So excited to see Ruben Owens, Jonathan Brooks, and all the area athletes take the field this, you know, take the field in the fall. But we got high school football. We got volleyball. Sports are back, people. I can't tell you how excited we are for that in the office. And that'll do it for this week's episode of The Grid. We'll be back with more football and volleyball talk and maybe some Victoria Generals next week as well. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.